You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Catherine, it's so good to be back with you today. We did this in your living room in New York City and Washington Heights, but now we get to do it with a live audience. So this should be fun. Good to be here. I had the opportunity to interview um, Ellen Ruppel-Shell, who writes for The Atlantic and offered the book The Job. One of the things she told me when I sat down with her was that Americans are trained to expect too much from their jobs. They want everything from their jobs. They want their job to provide meaning in their lives. So what I'd like to know from you to get things started today, how have we expected too much from our jobs? How do we uh, put too much on our jobs to provide for us in our lives? Yeah, she started off that video with that comment that we expect too much from our jobs. And I have to agree and disagree. Um, I think, um, yes, we um, get our identity from our jobs. If we're a doctor or a lawyer, we somehow think we're better than somebody who's street, cleaning the streets or something like that. We, we get place far too much status to our jobs. On the other hand, I think culturally, we um, think too little of work. We think of work as drudgery, as a, which it can certainly be, but we think of it only in those terms as, as something we have to do to put a roof over our heads, provide for our family, whatever that is. So I hope in this conversation this morning, we can extol God's purposes for work in a way that is, as people made in his image, being invited into the work that he's doing in the world, make it a really sacred thing at the same time um, that we don't get wrapped up in the world's ideas of status and identity and all that kind of stuff. So you talk about being made in God's image and bringing that idea into the workplace. What kind of healthy meaning do you think we can derive from our job? How have you seen that play out? Yeah, I mean, I think um, people who can't get work, I mean, many come to this country to get work, to get an opportunity to use the gifts that they've been given because we're made to use those gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, even if we're severely handicapped, um, where many studies have shown we, we work our lives are more fulfilled when we actually can use those gifts we have. So for all of us here, we have to use those gifts for some way to benefit the world we're in. That's what God put us here for. Um, and if we don't embrace that, we're not really going to experience being human in a full way. So I think that's extremely significant. That said, I want to talk about something that you and Pastor Keller talk about in your book, right? Mm -hmm. In every good endeavor, you write that work can be an act of love. And specifically, you say there may be no better way to love your neighbor, right, biblical mandate, than to simply do your work, but only skillful, competent work will do. Why do you believe that? So I don't know if you read Luther at a school that's not Lutheran, I don't know, but um, many, many centuries ago, he said, you know, God works through the milkmaid 
who milks the cow and puts the milk on the table for everyone. He works through the bakery. We are God's hands and feet. We are how he provides for the world we love. So yes, it's everything that we do in some way is meant to be serving the people around us. And often, especially in our specialized world where you are only doing Excel spreadsheets, you're not really thinking about how your financial services job affects the entire global economy, we lose sight of who we're serving. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to get that bigger picture of why are you in finance? Why are you making cars? Why are you doing all these areas or industries of work that you, that you might find yourself involved in? What is it doing to serve people? I remember in the book you talked specifically about your doorman, yes. Mike, speaking yes. of work yes. as an act of love. Tell us about Mike. Yeah, so I live in New York City in a high rise and uh, most buildings like that have a doorman and honestly, a lot of people who take that job, it's a union job, um, they're not like highly excited every day. They're a little draggy. Um, but my doorman, Mike, just threw himself into that job. And I think he was such a great example of, mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was a person, he was a Catholic, Catholic faith. I don't think he had any theological training or college education like you guys did. But he knew in his being that why would he come and, and stand there every day if he wasn't loving the people in the building? And he did that. I mean, he got to know them personally. He helped them out in ways beyond his rigid job description for them, but also because it made him alive. Mm. It, it fed him to love others. Mm. And I, I think it's a great, it was a, it was a witness to me who at the time was working at a church, which everybody knows you do that because you love people, but to have someone who, you know, that wouldn't be the normal profile witness that well mm-hmm. was very inspiring mm-hmm. to me. So pragmatically speaking then, right, you a follower of Jesus, Mike witnessed to you in the way he did his job. How should we as followers of Jesus, even the students in this chapel today, how should they prepare for what has become an ever-changing, right, increasingly volatile workplace in this country and, and frankly, throughout the world? Yeah, that's a, like a loaded question. It is loaded. In that question. It but, is loaded. Um, I would say um, that we sort of need to discard, Ellen was talking about discarding the myth that, that work will be your identity and give you all the meaning. Um, I'd say what we need to discard is the myth that it will lead to happily ever after. Mm. I think God calls us to be his because he wants us to walk in to a broken world that wounds him. Mm. He, he experiences pain looking out at the brokenness and he invites us to be healers and creators and some way play some part in his world, his, uh, mission of renewing and restoring and regenerating the broken world. So to be very practical, it means we have to expect we're going to work in brokenness. Mm-hmm. And our job, whatever the skill set is involved in the midst of it, is going to be 
in some way restoring that brokenness because we've discerned where God's given us an opportunity to bring healing, mm -hmm. redemption, shalom in some way. Mm -hmm. So expect brokenness. Yeah. Throw away that, discard that myth of just happily ever after and instead find the satisfaction at getting one, glimpses of where God's at work. Mm -hmm. And I think you can start to look at that even on, in the work that you do mm -hmm. on the campus here. Start to look for the, be the beauty of the work that the choral group did here. Um, it, it was work to give right. us that beauty and start to open our eyes to appreciate that as a glimpse of God's restoration and healing and inspiration. Mm -hmm. Start to look around us and see those glimpses. So as someone, though, who ran four corporations, I mean, you're, you're a CEO multiple times over, and looking and expecting brokenness and looking for ways in which we can be part of what God's doing, that's important. But I imagine that you don't always make it to the finish line. So have you always found meaning in your work? Um, no, no, not hardly. <laughs> And I will say that until I was 40, I wasn't a Christian. So there is a difference, which we can mm -hmm. talk about later. Mm -hmm. But I also, as a Christian, got called into some pretty huge jobs, not yeah. that I was looking for, and my last company failed. And I had a dark night of the soul, I think. I'm like, all right, Lord, you called me to be a Christian, then you called me to this CEO job, and how can you let it fail? I mean, if you're in this, mm -hmm. how can, why would you call me to something that right. would, uh, would fail? So I, I spent quite a bit of time wrestling with God over that. And I guess my, my answer is, of course we'll fail. <laughs> if we didn't fail, we wouldn't be taking any risks. Right. We wouldn't be walking into brokenness. Right. Of course we'll fail. And it isn't who I am. It's... Right. He called me to something well, that broke. And yes, I probably contributed to the failure in some way, and the world contributed to the failure in some way. That's life in this broken world. Pick up and be renewed by his spirit and move out again. Right. So as I said, we did this once before in your living room. Well, it's not the same, though. It's not the same. <laughs> but we did talk about the brokenness of the world and, and sort of the yeah. ecclesiastical take on this. Catherine, I love the distinction you made, and I want to I want to dig a little deeper. You talked about the ground being cursed, not the work. And I think oftentimes in so many Christian settings, we do think that as part of the fall, it is the work that's cursed. When you came to that realization, when you came to Christ, what was the difference between pre-Christ Catherine at work versus post-Christ, Catherine, at work. Yeah, I mean, I can honestly say, I mean, I, w I had just been made CEO of a company my first time um, being asked to take that role, and I just accepted Christ a month before. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, I didn't really have a time to go to college and figure out how to be a Christian. Um, so I was learning how to do both um, real time and struggling with what is distinctive about me if, if this is such a dramatic, you know, the gospel changed everything. 
Um, where am I changed? And so it did take me a while to feel like, you know, besides like trying to not swear as much. And um, you're doing good today. <laughs> thank you. I've had some practice here. It took a long time to sort of mm -hmm. feel like I was getting that, and and I had to learn who I was in God. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just not an, it wasn't like an overnight discovery of that. But I did believe he'd called me to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you a, a cute little story. When I moved from working in high tech to the church, mm -hmm. one of my church colleagues, a pastor, said, I'm, I'm talking on and on about my contacts, you know, my contact list and my contacts this and my contacts that. And he, he's looking at me sort of blank for a while. And then he goes like this, Catherine, Catherine, you're in ministry now. We call them friends. <laughs> and I think there's a lot in that. Mm -hmm. I think um, I had moved to a fairly transactional mm -hmm. view of relationships. How can each person I know help mm -hmm. me? How can every employee help me? And I can help them, but it's transactional mm -hmm. to a Christian perspective of mm -hmm. everyone has dignity and I'm mm -hmm. to serve people whether they can help me or not. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when you apply that to your suppliers, your staff, your customers, um, your community in which you're working, um, that mm -hmm. starts to make a difference. Um, they're not, and I think it even applies in your settings. Because you're in this culture, you tend to look even at friends for what can they give you. Mm -hmm. And um, even for spouses, uh, potential mates, you look for, you know, like, How's that gene pool gonna go in my gene pool? I mean, you, you look for transactional things as opposed to how can you love that person that God's made. So I would say that's one thing. Do I have time for another or well, should we I, just? I, I do wanna say not everybody probably had a boss like you, right? I mean, post Christ Catherine, that's a whole different mindset, right? And so I think, you know, we talked earlier about unfruitful work and lessons to be learned from failure. But what we've seen post-pandemic are so many people walking away from their jobs, right? We call it the great, great resignation, right? But there's a new term that's gone viral, quiet quitting, right? right? And so I wanna take a quick moment to talk about this. In the New York Times, in an article dated August 23, 2002, Quiet quitting was defined this way. For some, it was mentally checking out from work. For others, it became about not accepting additional work without additional pay. Some people feel validated for never raising their hand at work or judged because they actually like being overachievers. For you, in that service mindset as a boss, sitting down with Tim Keller, writing every good endeavor. If you two wrote that book today, where would quiet quitting fit into the narrative? Yeah, I mean, we were, we were writing for a New York audience that had tended to be over strivers mm -hmm. to some extent, but yeah, we would definitely put that in. I, I mean, I think you've got quiet quitters in the university <laughs> world. You know, you've got people who are, I mean, I'm sure no one in this room, but Not here. Um, people yeah. who are just doing the bare minimum to get by. And if you dig underneath, like what's in the heart of that, mm -hmm. it's either I'm too good for this or what am I going to get out of it? Mm -hmm. Nothing that means anything to me. There's a lack of serving 
the opportunity you've been given mm -hmm. to work, the other people, your colleagues, your, your, your community, and the work itself. Um, and I was a slacker in college, I, so I'm not, <laughs> I can't take virtue from this, but um, if, if you threw yourself in to the opportunity and the work that you have now, that's one of the best disciplines for then working post-school. And most, I would say, I work a lot with 20-somethings, early 30-somethings. They're having to learn that discipline on the job, and the stakes are pretty high. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say, yeah, the quiet quitter is a heart issue. Mm -hmm. it, it shows a, certainly, you can be a Christian and be a quiet quitter, and you can rationalize it with, oh, I'm quitting because I have work at my church, and that's just as important as my work right. at, at work. Well, yes, I mean, I think we need to have a balanced life. Ellen talked about that in her video. But I also think we need to work hard at each piece that we commit to. Mm. And Dorothy Sayers, you know, Christian work is doing work that in, is good, meaning it serves some purpose, purpose for society, yeah. and you do it well. You do good work well. Mm. And I, because it's an act of love of God and of his mm -hmm. society and human beings that he loves. So, because I want to do good work well, and part of that is serving the clock, all right, yes, we'll, wrap, we'll wrap up this morning. I have one last question for you, and that is, what should be the hallmarks of a Christian in the workplace? Yeah, to not repeat, serving others, yeah. not yourself. I mean, in a way, that's the essence of the Christian life, moving from loving yourself more than loving God and we don't ever get there, this side of heaven, but it's a constant mm -hmm. opportunity with all the things that are around mm -hmm. us to say, how can we be vulnerable and trust others? How can we share with others? How can we honor others by being prepared for the work that we do every day? It's, it's all those. And one of the things, reasons for that Kuiper quote is we got to get away from this judging who's doing more for God. Mm -hmm. So it's not, yes. um, we got to get rid of that hierarchy and, and encourage each other instead of saying, uh, in New York we have this, like the actor in the Christian play is somehow right. serving God more than the actor in the play that is not done, written by a Christian, but it may be really giving a God-given truth to the world. So getting rid of that, those artificial judgments of others mm -hmm. and being encouragers and grateful and supporters, I would say that's key. Oh, you have one more thing? I just want to say Quickly. this I, was inspiring. I have the mic right now. And if most of the people who are out there working in the world could have a chapel on Monday morning to start their week, their weeks would be a whole lot better. So thank you for this <laughs> chance to be here.